Alright, welcome back to IDFK TV. My name is Jordan. I am the host slash creator of IDFK TV. So we started IDFK TV not too long ago, um, pretty much just because we wanted to have discussions about literally everything. So we talked about love and dating and sex. We talked about NorCal versus SoCal. We've talked about bathroom etiquette, self-love, a whole bunch of different topics. Um, we are not experts. We're never going to claim to be experts. We just, like I said, want to have fun discussions um, with like-minded people. Uh, most of our topics are going to be decided by our guests, uh, so Kayla is going to be uh, leading this discussion. Um, but also our topics are decided by you, our viewers, so if you are in the chat, feel free to comment, leave a message, we'll be happy to respond or maybe have a discussion in a later episode. Um, we are IDFK TV on all platforms, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, whatever else is out there, we have it. But without further ado, let's go ahead and introduce our guests. We're starting. Kayla, go ahead and introduce yourself. Okay, I'm Kayla. I am a therapist, but I will try not to get too therapy therapisty. So if y'all feel like I'm getting there, just say a code word or tell me to stop. And what's the code word? What's the code word? Pineapples. Pineapples. <laughs> All right, I will take. Yep, that's good. When I hear it, I'll know to 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 quit therapist mode. So. And then uh, another guest, Michael, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, so I was invited by Kayla. Um, Kayla's actually my former boss, but before that we were, we were friends. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. This is my first time doing a, doing a podcast. I'm excited. All right, and Michelle. Hi, everybody. I'm Michelle. I was a former guest. Um, and that conversation we had on a different podcast was about NorCal versus SoCal. So. NorCal I ain't watched it yet. NorCal 1. Go watch it. It's on YouTube. <laughs> and but yeah, Yessi. Hi, everybody. I'm Yesenia, or Yessi, whichever you want to call it. <laughs> and Aaron. What's going on, everybody? My name is Aaron, or AC. I'm going by both today. Whatever you want to call me. Um, I am a co-host here at IDFK TV. Wonderful to have everybody here, all the guests, all the viewers. Thank you for coming in and uh, chiming in, sending your comments, whatever it is. So thank you for viewing. All right, <laughs> and Kayla, we'll let you take it away. Oh, thank you. So we are here today to talk about mental health. And of course we know that can be it's incredibly broad and we could spend a thousand hours talking about all of the different things that that um, entails but I don't think y'all had like a specific thing that I was told that was going to be talked about so I thought I just would open it up by asking each of you what you hope could be discussed today um, what you were looking forward to what the first thing that popped into your head when you knew you were going to be a part of it was so we'll kind of just hopefully be able to get some themes out of that and just go from there so whoever wants to start what was you what did you expect from today or what do you hope we'll touch on host jordan oh, okay. so you look like you were about to say something so i uh for me <laughs> for me personally you know i wanted to discuss just the, the 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 stuff we don't really think about you know that the regular person just walking down the street might be suffering some some type of you know uh, mental health disorder that we don't really think about. You know, um, I want to discuss pretty much how to identify some of these things and how to help um, somebody who might be going through through something and maybe just doesn't show it. And for those people to um, who who are um, dealing with some mental health 
issues to, you know, hopefully seek help or hopefully listen to this and get something that helps them, um, you know, co handle all of that mental stress. All right, Aaron, yes. co-host. <laughs> all right, bet. Um, <laughs> you're right. Um, when I first thought about, um, uh, well, when I first heard that we were going to be doing a, a mental health um segment um i just wanted to really um hone in on not just the different types of mental health but um just helping diminish you know the the um the effects or make somebody like feel comfortable how, like how do we make somebody like feel comfortable seeking help um and how do we you know help somebody maintain um you know that whole that whole process because you know people will will actually go seek um, some help but then they just kind of like fall off with it like how do we help them like kind of maintain and stay in the process mm -hmm. yeah so how do we how do we help people have that sustainable like long-term change versus just like the quick yeah here's this thing that you need today versus like here's this thing that you could use forever type of thing yeah mm -hmm. Um, for me, the first thing that came to mind when I heard the topic was mental health was um, how to navigate taking care of your own mental health as well as relationships and friendships. Oh, yeah. Very good. I think a big important thing when, like, uh, just hearing that the topic of mental health was coming was that this conversation could help also open up the doors for normalizing the, you know, the acknowledgement and the identity of what mental health is because everyone overlooks it you know coming from an Asian family we weren't really taught to know what mental health was it was like bite your tongue get through it like I couldn't express my family if I was going through something they would just be like go to sleep eat some food like you you tired you know like it was never something that was like oh maybe we should go seek like actual professional help for what you're feeling mentally emotionally physically and how like everything had, could affect each other and how it all correlated with each other. So I think just opening up that door to maybe audiences that may not be so comfortable with talking about mental health because one, they're not educated enough about it, but also just really like allow people to feel more comfortable normalizing the topics of any sort of mental health. And, uh, it's funny, I'm actually taking like an abnormal psychology class this, this semester and I'm a psych major. So this was really like, ooh, something interesting. Like it was like, ooh, let's, let's see what this is doing. From oh, how the class, that shit is crazy. Yeah. I love class. It was so cool. I literally was like, should I just pull up the text and just give it to y'all? Yeah. Just read to us for two hours out of that text, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's just something that's more important to me, or like hearing about mental health, just because, again, I guess just history and background and my mm -hmm. own personal experiences. Yeah. Cool what about you? Yeah, um, so I am a mental health provider, um, so I guess I can provide a little bit of insight on what it's like to be on the front lines right now. Um, I'm My technical title is a skills trainer, um, but as Kayla knows, I'm very behavioral when it comes to my, my style of practice, and um, yeah, I work with, so um, Kayla and I worked at a, an agency that focused on kids, um, I believe. I think we had some, like, 18 and up kids but mostly it was like younger than 18 kids and I work with a lot of like really little guys like my youngest client is I think three 
Um, so um, parents are going through a lot right now. Kids are going through a lot right now. Like we're seeing a, a need that we've never really seen before because one, unless you were alive during the Spanish flu, you never experienced a pandemic. Um, and also you're never coming back from a pandemic. Back, I say that loosely, right? Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, things are really nuts right now. And uh, I feel like it's just this weird like twilight zone existence that like all of us are moving through right now. Um, but yeah, it's it's wild. It's a wild time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think one of the things I'm looking forward to hearing you all hopefully talk about is um, the resilience you've seen in yourselves and in other people. I think when we ha- we talk about mental health, we you know we tend to focus on like the the illnesses and the disorders and the issues and like what's tough about it. But I, as a therapist, I live for the stories about how people have pulled themselves out of darkness and um, those little aha moments they've had that have just pushed them forward. So I hope to hear those today. If if y'all want to get personal, that's cool. I mean, I could definitely throw in some things, but I'm just excited to, um, to hear experiences that y'all have had and how you've moved through it, so. Yeah, let's make it personal. I, I, yeah, I'm down for that. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm a Pisces. I have no problem making it personal. Oh, Pisces. <laughs> oh Wait, no. are you a, are you a February Pisces or a March Pisces? March, March 11th. Okay, see March Pisces, yes. Do we need to go around and share everybody's signs so that we all can figure out? I don't know, because I feel like that might start a fight. <laughs> I doubt you. Yeah? I'm a, what are you? I'm a Taurus. I'm a Taurus. I'm a Taurus Cancer Cancer if for all of the... Oh, boy. Yeah. The big, the big things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a Taurus Cancer. I, I like his response. Oh, boy. Oh. <laughs> oh. Wait, I <laughs> All of my exes have been Tauruses, so clearly I don't mesh well with Tauruses. <laughs> I apologize on behalf a- of my Taurus. My current partner is not a Taurus. All right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Pisces. Girl, a Taurus. I'm a Taurus too. Hey, there oh, we go. sorry. Represent. All right, I'm a Scorpio. Yes, oh, I was talking. Me too. That's another one. Good. Yeah, two wow. Pisces, two Taurus, and two Scorpios. Oh, that's okay. Wow. We're like Noah's Ark. <laughs> right. Two and two. I love it. It's water and earth. Calculated, <laughs> planned, maybe. Number. Yeah, uh, Jordan did that on purpose for I, sure. I yeah, did. right. What, when were you born? Nah, you can't. No, sorry. Mm-hmm. Can't help you. <laughs> but, I mean, to segue into some mental health stuff, if I make you so bold as to do so. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> I, think, I think a couple of you had mentioned, like, how do we even start the conversation within ourselves and for other people when we're walking through the world? And I think it starts with understanding yourself first, whether it's your star sign or whatever they're called, or it's, you know, your family of origin, where you come from, you know, how you were socialized as a kid, whatever, your current environment. Like, I don't know if we can, we can really start to talk about other people until we can look at ourselves and be like, okay, this is what I'm coming to the table with, and this is what I have to examine first. Right. So I think it's it's great that we all know each other's signs now because <laughs> we did the work and now we can talk about other people. So <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I don't know. So I 
when we talk about like where we come from, um, it made me think about how I'm both a, a provider and a consumer of mental health care. Um, so I actually started going to therapy when I was uh, 12 or so, and actually my parents um, recommended that I, that I go to therapy based on like their own trauma history. So I actually, I had a lot of, I was very, very um, blessed in that way because my parents had kind of done the destigmatizing work. Um, and like Michelle had talked about like how in a lot of Asian families, like mental health care is not something that a lot of us trust and a lot of us believe in. And I think I was just really fortunate that my parents kind of already understood that they were going through stuff and that they needed to get help and that they did that. And also my mom's an MFT. So like she, I think she, when she met my, when she married my dad, um, my my dad kind of understood like, yeah, I, I actually have stuff that I need to go through. And I also think just being in a relationship like shows you that you have a lot of stuff that you're still working through because you're so intimate with another person. Um, so yeah, my sister and I have been. So fun. <laughs> my yeah, sister and I um, have been in therapy for a long time, and I think that definitely informs my own practice because, like, I, I like I'm working with a lot of kids on how to manage their own anxiety, um, and I I do that because I know how to manage anxiety because I do it mm-hmm. every day, you know. So, um, yeah, I think that the best providers are people who. Um, who know what they're talking about from a lived experience level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Nice to see that, you know, like breaking generational courses in a science and making it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's hard, that's just hard. Yeah. It's like, I don't know, like I was talking with a, a family earlier today, like <clears throat> when you grow up with generational trauma, um, that is something that feels normal to you because that's all you know, you know? Yeah. And um, it sometimes it takes like going out into the world. Like I think for me, I was born in the East Bay, shout out to NorCal, shout out to the Bay Area. Um, I was born in the East Bay and I went to San Francisco for college. And um, I think that um, going to college and like, cause San Francisco is such like, um, there's so many different kinds of, well, back in 2010, when I was going to college there, there were so many different kinds of people there and like people from like all over the country, all over the world, like all coming together in this one, like seven, seven mile by seven mile place. Um, so I feel like I, I got to know like just different type of people and I started to understand myself a little bit more and started reflecting on myself a little bit more. So that's when a lot of like my own therapeutic change came about and also like a lot of like revisiting my own trauma (laughs) about um, was in college because one, college is stressful as hell Um, and uh, yeah, you're just around a lot of people, a lot of people you've never met before who have probably very different experiences than you. It's kind of interesting you say that because I, I remember some of my most Pretty much my, my worst moments in my life were like it was around the time when I, I started college. Um, and, and, you know, kind of going back on just culture and background, like I coming from an African-American um, background, I, I don't know, showing emotion wasn't really something that we just naturally did. It wasn't something that we just, you know, do, you know. So it, it took me up until college to just all of these emotions, all of these things that kind of just stack and pile on top of each other. Like, you know, I was going through a breakup 
you know, going into college, I lost my grandmother, I lost, you know, my grades weren't doing well my freshman year, but I just remember, like, everything just feeling like it was on top of me all at the same time, you know, and it's just, uh, it's just very interesting, you know, because it, it took me a while nowadays, like, when I, I go through things, I try to internalize, I try to understand, like, why am I feeling this way, like, what what's going on, like, let, allowing myself to cry, allowing myself to feel whatever feeling I'm I'm going through. But I just remember my younger days. It's I could I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't handle it. I, I told everybody I had to talk to you know family, friends, you know, and sometimes they weren't the right people to talk to, unfortunately. Um, but it's it really I think people who it's very important for to, for everyone to have somebody that they can talk to who knows what they're talking about and can actually kind of guide them through the thoughts and the feelings that they're going all at one time. So I, I appreciate you too uh, for, for doing that. I appreciate you guys for coming and talking and allowing me to get, you know, personal and open it up, you know, so you guys can help me out now. You can, you can therapize. I'm gonna get really personal and deep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This is part of three session. <laughs> Take it That's why I really did Wait, pineapple, pineapple. therapy, I love it. I love therapy, it. exactly. <laughs> I had, a, I had a client a few weeks ago who was just, we're just processing a lot of her genera generational trauma right now, and she came up with the slogan of, it ran through my family until it ran into me. And I love that. Mm -hmm. love yeah. And I just stopped in the session, and I was like, are you are you shitting me? You just said that. And this is a young person, too. She's, she's in her early 20s, and I was just so impressed by that. I was so impressed by that because she had the awareness to to stop it, you know, and not a lot of people get that opportunity. So I was just like, dang, it's powerful. It's a good, good statement. <laughs> really strong. I am, um, I, I lost my train of thought, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it was, it was gonna be so profound. It just I know. Was ready for I was ready it. I was ready for it. it. The universe wasn't ready yet, Michael. It'll, it'll come back to me. Absolutely, but now, now, Michael, you said like a lot of your experiences are the um, or your experience handling or managing uh, mental health has kind of contributed to you know your ability to help people. Um, Kayla, would you say that's like similar for you, or like what what kind of guided you to to this career? To no, no, no. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, Jesus! <laughs> I could talk about that for five years. So let me just start. In 1914, oh, there was a man in. There was a man in Kentucky, and he was a police officer, and he decided that he wanted to have a little bit more power than being a white man in 1914. So he said, I'm going to be a police officer, and I'm also going to start this new church called the Gospel Assembly. Fast forward a couple of decades, and the Gospel Assembly got uh, traveled over here to California, and with it, my hillbilly families came as well. So this is how we landed on the West Coast from the Appalachia Mountains. So, um, yeah, that's like my origin story, basically. <laughs> I come from very racist, sexist hillbillies who are literally still in what's considered a cult in the Bay Area. It's the Gospel Assembly, started in Redwood City. So I have very interesting, I talk about it for 10 years, very interesting family members. I have always been an observer in my life, and um, I feel like... I'm the furthest removed from the cult and the furthest removed from the damage and the trauma. And so I have 
um, my mom was the first of her generation to leave and I'm the youngest child of hers. So I'm just like separated a little bit more, but, but yeah. So, so observing that my whole life, I was like, this is so interesting, but also super fucked up. Like what is going on? And so I've always just been attracted to hearing people's stories and figuring out why they do the things that they do. And then, you know, of course, because I'm related to these crazy people, um, my own genetics, you know, didn't serve me super well in that area either. So I, I you know, I've struggled significantly with anxiety and depression in, in my whole adult life. And I was recently diagnosed with ADHD, which has been a huge relief to me um, because it explains so much. So I, I feel so freaking lucky that I found this career because I am kind of obsessed with it. And it's not in like a workaholic way. It's like, I truly find so much joy and um, I feel super lucky. So this stuff is my jam and it absolutely comes from me having, having this experience and being an observer and <laughs> lots of generational trauma and all that kind of stuff. So. Hell yes. That, I yeah. like that, that origin story can be a movie like you can put that yeah. in a book. Like, <laughs> I'd watch oh my God. <laughs> I pay it's wild God. it's wild y'all I still have family members who are in it too it's so crazy oh, so. I've never even it's heard gonna of that it's gonna be a whole documentary <laughs> it's gonna be a whole documentary I do agree anyone... I think I think the the best mental health providers and the best cl clinicians are the ones who've who've done the work and you can get some weird mental health providers and you can get some folks who really just like the control and they like the, I don't know, the, the I don't know, it's weird. And, and of course we have, uh, you know, like a lot of obviously systemic problems. Like I'll take a backseat on that conversation and let y'all go on that. But y'all know, like people are scared. People are scared of mental health providers. They're scared of social workers. They're scared of anybody in that position, so. Yeah. Especially in the, like, yeah. like in the, at least in the African American community, uh, because like we don't want to, like we don't trust. Like it's like something that we don't trust, whether it's health, whether it's mental health, physical health, whatever. It's like I'm not going to you if I don't have to. Like, you know, which is important <laughs> because there's so, like, and it's, it's straight. Like there are so many benefits to just seeing it, and it's not just like you have to be considered like crazy or anything. And I know that's like the stigma, or, like the um, stereotype behind it. Like, oh, this is just for crazy people. You gotta have, but in reality, like. <laughs> every single person can benefit from talking to somebody and, and, and just just verbalizing your thoughts and the feelings that are going through your head. I just feel like it's so important and it, it sucks that it does have that, that negative, you know, connotation to it. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that um, <clears throat> it's, it's unfortunate and you, you, like, sometimes people will wait until it's literally so bad that, like, they need to talk to someone before something even worse and, and permanent happens, you know? And I wish that it wasn't that way in our culture, because, like, Kaylee can probably speak to this, but, like, the sooner you intervene, like, the, the more likely you are to see success and see, like, positive outcomes with, with mental health care. So, like, I don't know. I What I appreciate... I mean, I was going... I was a very... Like, I was a very angsty teenager like evanescence was my whole vibe when in like 2000 yes. whatever <laughs> like wake me up inside you know um very that but um i i was going through some stuff but like i think that my parents like caught it early you know like they were like hey your father and i both have trauma 
and like I think we're passing something on to you so let's get you in therapy so that we can and if they had never done that I probably would have gone through like all that time like just reacting and and being in survival mode and making all these like really impulsive decisions and like um I feel like they like they really dodged a bullet in terms of like how my life could have been if I hadn't if I hadn't started to think about my own Mm. behavior and my own trauma um early Mm. and I mean like I don't know a 13 year old I feel like a 13 year old doesn't have the same insight as like a a 21 year old one does which is when I returned to therapy um and I feel like I made a lot of progress there but yeah I agree like I think that even if you don't have like even if you don't have um trauma or something that like even if you don't have a diagnosis um I feel like everyone could benefit from therapy you know because everyone deals with stressors and like therapy is just about how do you handle your stressors you know, and some people's stressors is like, hey, I want to die every day, you know, and some people's stressors is like, hey, someone cut me off in the parking lot and it really pissed me off, you know, so <laughs> I think anyone could benefit, you know? Right. Aaron, yeah. your, your mind, like, pondering, what, I thought that, what do you feel? No, <laughs> I'm just in here listening, but, like, just to kind of, like, segue into a question, it's like, how do we, how do we identify whether somebody needs that needs needs that escape or needs that you know somebody to talk to because we all know somebody that puts on a great mask can can really like just go through every single day just put their head down just work whatever else and nothing really seems wrong mm-hmm. right but it's like we again we don't really know from the outside looking in so mm-hmm. how do we actually spot that you gonna take that one, Kayla? Yes, Because <laughs> you're the therapist. Well, <laughs> I don't have a license. I don't know why other people chime in because I'm pretty sure everybody has probably some insight to this too. So, I think yeah. it all just begins with like again the self awareness situation and making sure you're self aware of how you are, how your energy's like, how you approach things, how you close things, and um, being able to at least know that if you're adaptable or very just like flexible um and easy going i guess just being a genuine person with a kind heart it does it never fails to be a kind person from the bottom of your heart you know what i mean like i don't know people have bad days and you know there are times where maybe somebody gonna cut me off and it's gonna make me mad but i'm not gonna change my whole attitude for the day just because somebody made me mad you know and so like and i've noticed i've noticed that throughout like a lot of the relationships that i have with a lot of friends that i have um i've been fortunate enough to have people like um treat me like a Pandora box kind of and you know kind of trust me with a lot of their deepest secrets and it was never my intention to ever seek anything out from people but I think it was just allowing them to feel safe and comfortable in the space that they have with me um and vice versa like I've been able to tell so many of my like closest friends things that I've never been able to tell my parents or sisters or even my aunts you know the people that I thought were closest to me just because they we were all able to create a safe space for each other you know and to allow each other to feel the way we want to feel and in a sense I feel like your friends or your closest friends and the people that you know you trust most can also technically serve as a therapist for you until you oh, yeah. help you know I think it's just you know making sure you're just purely like good intentions at all times like if you're ever just like oh this isn't for me at least be honest about it and then tell somebody maybe they you know or like refer them to something else but just being a good heart and just being or having a good heart and just being a good person in general like literally kindness kills 
with everything. So I so agree. I so agree with you. And going back to Aaron's question about like how do we help someone gain awareness that they might need help or how do we even broach that conversation because it feels awkward and like invasive, but I think it, it starts with it starts with you being able to be vulnerable and being like an example, I guess. And mm -hmm. um, and you know, it, it's tough because you see people struggling all the time and their their level of change, their level of motivation is just not there at all. And it's really painful. It's painful to yeah. watch that. It's so hard to watch that. And so I think all we can do is just be a light in someone's life and um you know, don't overdo it to the point where you're can't balance your own stuff, but you know, just like, <laughs> and um I don't know, Aaron, what do you what do you think about like are you talking specifically about like somebody not someone specific in your life, but if you had someone in your life who you noticed was like down or something like that, like how do you intervene before it's too late or Yeah, like I've I've noticed um a couple a couple friends of mine, I'm not gonna say their names because mm -hmm. they might be watching. I don't know. Um it's like they were they were completely fine like for like a good span of time for like three four months and then um next thing you know it's like they just kind of like snapped you know so like something something happened either that day or a certain thought came to their head i don't know what it was but it really triggered them and they were just like like so pissed off and it's like they they just went on a freaking rampage like they were yelling they were like so many tears were just like coming out at once and i was like just sitting there and just like shit what like what do like what do i do because like if i get close and hug them it, it, it might i don't know if i'm gonna get hit because i don't know what type of you know physical person they are yeah. but it just it, it was just just odd at the moment that i just didn't even see it coming and then I had the whole conversation of like what's been going on and apparently like happened and it just lingered on for months and I was like fuck it's like everything seemed completely fine with you like nothing changed at all from like how long I've known you from start to up to this point like nothing has changed mm -hmm. from your actions the way you talk how you interact with other people it's like you were you were fine mm -hmm. like, how how do we catch it yeah, I think I think there's no way to necessarily catch it before at first, but like I think just having those repair conversations with people afterwards of like you know what was going on with you and that kind of thing, and it's it's tough. I don't know if we can catch it. I really don't because it is hard to see it in people because people do mask really well, and it's like we can't catch it. But yeah, I think I think it's kind of part of our culture to be really good at hiding how we're doing. Yeah, you know? and like, mm -hmm. I think that for a lot of people who are struggling with mental illness, um, sometimes like being able to hide it is less. It feels less scary than reaching out to someone. You know, mm -hmm. so I wonder for the person you were you were talking about. I wonder how long they've needed help and they've been acting like and they and they maybe they had concerns about feeling like a burden to other people or maybe they had concerns about you know being vulnerable because of maybe some experience that the experiences that they've had but i think what kayla was talking and what kayla and um and michelle were talking about are just like being a vulnerable being a vulnerable person yourself 
makes other people feel like they can be vulnerable with you, you know? So like, I think that's another thing about our culture is that um, being vulnerable is seen as um, being risky or being weak, you know? And um, I think that, I don't know, like Kayla knows me, like Kayla's known me for two years, like I'm a pretty vulnerable person. I talk about a lot of shit, um, usually because I'm going through a lot of shit. (laughs) <laughs> on my mind um but uh i i think that that's something that has kept me in this job and has like made this job like motivating for me is like people open up to me because i feel like i mean obviously there's balances when you're a provider but like if i can show you that like hey i'm just a person with feelings too you know right. then i feel like that makes people more um able to reach out to me Right. as a provider you know so and, and Michelle I completely agree with you that your support person does not have to have a license you know I think there are definitely benefits and, and privileges of being able to access adequate mental health care and there is a whole conversation we can have about um, access you know right. um, but like your therapist could be your homie you know your therapist could be your sister your therapist could be your mom and for a lot of us especially people of color especially um you know i'm a i'm a first generation american um that's what it had to be for a long time you know and we didn't have the option of having our insurance pay for our therapy you know because for a lot of people that's not a reality Mm -hmm. and um you know i i I think it's important that we all have, if it's not a therapist, that we all have someone that we can com- confide in. And, you know, yeah. for me, I'm also a queer person. Hi, hello. <laughs> um, As you I, should. Like, with queer people, um, you kind of have your chosen family, you know, yeah. especially if your your birth family is not cool with you. Like, you kind of you kind of create your own family, you know? Yeah. So I love those seri- the show Pose. Has, everyone, has anyone seen Pose? No. Dang. Okay, so Pose, watch Pose. It's on Netflix. Uh, I believe it's on Netflix, Um, but it's um, originally from FX, and it's all about, like, how these queer um, people of color in New York kind of created their own family together through, like, the the voguing scene. Um, Oh! Yeah, like, your, 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 um, your family could be, or your, your, your therapist could be your friends who have then become your family. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also important just to remind people that you're only human. There's no, you know, right, wrong way to act. Like, (laughs) you know, like, so I feel like just being able to remind everyone, like, things happen. It's life. We all live different lives, but we all also have similar experiences to only remind them that you can only do so much as you are. So, you know, to not always so be so hard on yourself. Because, I mean, I know, like, growing up, my parents have always just been hard on me, my family entirely, you know, like, on grades, on extracurricular activities, on everything, you know, like, get to it, get to it, get to it. Like, I never remember, or I can't ever remember having not, like, once having a break on anything until I hit my college years where stress was really starting to, you know, get Yeah, and then, like, you know, and then I went through, like, a traumatic, dramatic, just a whole like horrible experience with like a six-year relationship that really brought me down to like one of the lowest points that I've ever had to go through and I was just like how do I handle this because I was never once like one for one educated about it when I was younger but two I wasn't I was never like exposed to anything like that so it was just like the most confusing years of my life luckily I had like the support system that um I'm blessed to say I have to this day oh my goodness I love my people to death like my family and friends 
like it was just like having those support people again and not necessarily having like because and like I remember some of my coworkers were actually like you know like maybe you should go seek some actual like professional help and I was just like no I don't want to because I was taught and raised to just bite my tongue and get through it because you can fight through it but having the support system I had you know it was just very like very significant as to like how I was able to get through a lot of the mental health issues I never once knew I could actually experience again I think it and I think it's important that it should be more taught a little more in, in school from like primary school to up until like you know high school you hear like there's a counselor there but everyone thinks it's like an academic counselor you know like you never once hear like oh if you have any like you know stresses or anything like that to go ahead and go and talk to somebody and I know teachers and professors are always like if you guys need to talk to anyone like you guys can reach out but again we're not taught to do that when you know we're like, <laughs> young. they're just like do your homework go, yeah. home, go play whatever like there's never like you know anything that really signifies like oh if you are like mentally like confused come seek here so, or like help here it's just kind of like oh, we're here but you know so I think it was just it, it's definitely something that I feel should be taught a little more in school before like in college years and you're like oh maybe I'll take psychology and then really learning like oh shit this shit's deeper than what it is and it's way more normal but we don't know how to say it's normal because nobody speaks about it <laughs> Yeah, I think going back to what Aaron was saying of like this this situation that you shared, Aaron, is is such a great example because it, it shows that we need to be able to regulate for our friends in those moments. They need to be able to express it, but also like what do we do after? And I think what you were saying, Michelle, about how we aren't encouraged to go and seek mental health. We have to be able to grow and say, hey, friend, I see a change in you. I care about you and you deserve to have these things unpacked in a safe way so that it doesn't get to this point. And I think that that is something that we have to learn how to do too because it's super uncomfortable. So like in that situation, Erin, I'm sure you handled it beautifully, but like if it was uncomfortable for you, you might have to ask yourself, what is stopping me from saying you need some support? Mm -hmm. No. Is, am, are they going to feel like I'm judging them? Are they going to feel like I'm trying to make decisions for them? But I think that is what has to happen. We have to be able to say to each other, I see your darkness. I see your struggle. I see this boiling up inside you, and I don't want to lose you, and I don't want you to explode. So let's get let's figure out how to get you some help. And I think that that's really hard for us to do, for sure. Mm -hmm. why, yeah. why, do you, why do you think it's so challenging for people to, to say those things? Why, why is that so <clears throat> I think we just live in a in a society that's very much like um, take care of yourself. You don't need other people. Um, don't um, don't assume other things about people. You know, like they're on their own. They're on their own. You worry about yourself. Um, but it's it's a huge thing that's missing. If we lived as like a true village as we should be, you know, we would all be looking out for each other in so many ways, not just the tangible ways like shelter and food and stuff like that. But we would see each other and recognize pain, emotional pain. And we're just not, it's just, we're not, the world is not built for that, you know? So I think we have to change it and it starts with us. It starts with one person, you know? Yeah. yeah. I definitely feel like there, there are a lot of people, a lot of times we're very uncomfortable in those situations as well. Like, you know, a lot of times when something comes up, you know, or our immediate response is just like, I don't know if we don't know what to do we're just going to freeze or we will we'll try to avoid it or try to you know might say the wrong things it's like when you see somebody um going through stuff or in an argument with you know somebody like their significant other 
a lot of times instead of you know trying to stop or intervene or try to help out we're like okay well let me get the hell up out of here because this is my problem yeah like let me right. get, like I, I don't know what's going on. i don't know what's going on with them but it's not me so hey so yeah that mm -hmm. definitely I, I feel like that discomfort with with being in those types of situations or handling uh those 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 things it's not i don't think it's easy i don't i don't think it's easy um to to be put be in that situation so i i understand it from that standpoint as well yeah. And I think a lot of people try to, like, depend on themselves too much. And mm -hmm. I think the media has a lot to do with that as well. A lot of people try to say, like, oh, I don't need anybody. Like, I never need anybody. I have me at the end of the day. I'm the only person that has me. And I, and I think it's actually quite the opposite. I think being aware and knowing that you need people is actually something beautiful. Like, you know yourself and you're aware that you, you actually need to speak about, you know, like, what you're going through and talk to somebody and get things off of your mind and not just harbor all of these feelings because you're harboring all of these feelings and you're going through different situations every day until one day something triggers you so bad that you blow up like Aaron's example with, the, with his friend yeah. and so I think knowing like back to what Michelle was saying knowing yourself and you know knowing who you are and the fact that you do need help sometimes and that it's okay to need help you're not alone that you have people that care for you is a big part for sure. For, for my, and I can't talk too much about my cases for confidentiality, but the cases that have the best outlooks are the, 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 the clients who have the best outlooks are the ones who have a lot of community around them. And um, the ones who take a long time to see any positive growth are the ones who are very isolated, the ones who usually are, are poor, the ones who are like the single moms, the the, the families of color, like um, the um, the ones who are isolated from the rest of their family, like it's it's almost impossible to make changes in that situation because so much of healing and so much of growth is connection, mm -hmm. you know, because so much of our trauma comes from disconnection, right? And so much of our trauma comes from crappy relationships and crappy interactions we've had with people, you know? Um, so, I, I mean, you kind of need, it does take a village. Like, you, it, it, if you, if, if you find connections with people, however that may be, then you're more likely to just have um, more healthy outlets to, to support yourself and, and to get support. Um, like, college was a really stressful time for me because there were so many things going on. Um, but I also met, like, um, some of the best friends that, that I have, you know? And, uh, I mean, I, I live with my roommate who was in my sociology class freshman year of, of um, college, right? So, um, Ooh, Ooh, Lord, that's a strong relationship. <laughs> yeah. Strong. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm so, like, it was a really, like, that time was a really shitty and challenging time. But I also, like, where would I be if I didn't make those, if I didn't make those friends, you know? Right. Yeah, kind of like uh, kind of going back to you know my my experience with college. I, I remember that when I was going through a very very hard time and I was just pretty much breaking down. The only like I'm I'm so thankful. Kevin, uh, he was my freshman. He was a junior in college and I was a freshman. If I did not have him around and some of my other friends, I I don't know. I would have dropped out for sure because I was trying to drop out, you know. And like he he wouldn't allow it. My family wouldn't allow it. So 
it definitely um, having that community, having that support system, having those people that are you know don't want to see you lose, that want to help you win. Um, it's very important to have those people around. And I, I, same thing. I would not have made it this far if I didn't have those people. I'm trying to think like of the people that I went through or went to uh, whenever I had like something going on. Like I've been to so many different colleges. Like I've been to like six in total. Like I'm at Sac State now. I think Sac State is my sixth college. And back in my freshman year when I was in the Bay, um, I went to Cal State East Bay out in Hayward. Um, I think that was, I think that was my lowest point. Because at that point I was dealing with, you know, identity issues. Like at the point, at that time I was just an athlete. I was there on a basketball scholarship and that's the only reason I was there. That's all I had going on for me up and up until that point was just basketball. And um, a professor had asked me, he's like, who are you? And all I could really say was a basketball player. And she was like, well, is that all there is to you? And I didn't know how to answer it. And that kind of like fucked me up for like months and months. And um, I think the only person I could go to at the time or I thought I could go to was um, was my coach. And I think that was the only person I had um, I had in my corner because, you know, we you know as an athlete, like we kind of have like family members for just like just handle your business out there like you're you're there to play ball just like handle it go through it you know what i'm saying so um thankfully my coach was able to understand um what i was going through and um kind of help me kind of navigate how to find out bits and pieces of myself that i needed to find that i needed to find um so come my sophomore year of college um Later in the season, I had you know given up my scholarship. I stopped playing basketball for like a, like a good amount, like probably like five months, and I was able to kind of go back to playing at another college and kind of like regain my love for basketball, but with a different sense of like who I am. So, mm. so yeah, like what you guys were saying, just having like certain people in your corner. It takes a village, but you know, just having certain people, you know, in in your corner can always be like very helpful. Yeah. Oh. Glad you had that coach. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank God. But you know, it it, it took a while. Like it's a, it took a while. Like at that point, I was like eighteen. Oh, eighteen. And I was like, sheesh. I was a freshman in college, so it was it was tough to talk to anybody because you know I didn't feel comfortable going to family and talking about it. Um, I tried quitting basketball before and it didn't go well. So. Um, and I tried talking to teammates, and that didn't blow over very well. Um, I just ended up got you know getting teased at the end of the day. So, um, just the amount of the amount of time it takes to say fuck it, I need to I need to talk to somebody. It may be my coach. It may be somebody living in a dorm right across the hall, or it may just be an actual you know professional you know therapist. So. It, it it takes a lot and it's so much energy and so much you know so much of like dropping one's pride and so mm-hmm. for anybody out there that's viewing if you're kind of like holding off on you know seeing a therapist or talking to somebody 
you may have to, you know, have to really reevaluate yourself and have to really drop your pride and just be like, you know what, this can this can help me. So yeah, you kind of uh, yeah. talked about, um, you know, it was your you were eighteen, it was your first year. Um, I think when you first transitioned to college, it's like a very very challenging time. Uh, one of our viewers commented. Uh, Gala something gray. I remember when I went to uni, I was so focused on my transition more than academics, but I have never regretted it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So you, you you focused on the the transition more than academics. Yeah, I I think it came a point where I wasn't focused on academics at all when I started. Yeah. Like, like, still not there. I, I never was it. I was never a great student. I went to grad school and I was still a horrible student. I don't know what the hell I was doing, but um, that transition, still still figuring that out. And yeah, so I, I feel See, that. Thank you for sharing that. I like, I like that comment because I think when we turn 18 or when we graduate high school, there's something there's something that that messages to us that we're like we're done developing i mean when we really think about it we know we're not right because we can always evolve and grow but there's something like okay you did it you did the thing now go do the other things you're supposed to do and i think what's important to recognize is that there is developmental stages literally in psychology until you die there is always you're always in some kind of stage of development and growth and i think I think we get stuck when we turn 18 and that, those early college years and the early 20s are just like, hey, I'm going to do what I got to do because I, I, I am who I am. And it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> not at all. There's so much more to do. So I appreciate and I'm, I'm glad that person was able to focus on the transition and, um, and just being open rather than like, you know, tunnel vision on the academics, which yeah, not matter. Part, my favorite part is when he said, I never regretted it because... Sometimes regret, I and I, I've, I've, I struggle with that sometimes. Just like getting over things that I did, and just like learning to let go of some of that. So I, I, I really do feel that comment. Thank you once again for that. Uh, no regrets. No regrets. <laughs> get it tatted, but don't, don't really. Please don't do that. Get it tatted across the stomach. Yeah. No regrets. Uh, that's a uh, what is it? What movie is that? What is that? That was a uh, shit. The one with where the mill. Come on, Aaron. <laughs> in the, like, I think we're the Millers or something like that. Because I think um, it was the one where uh, he had to like smuggle like drugs like across the border. But Jennifer Anderson was in it. We're the Millers. We are. We're the Millers. Yeah, we're the Millers. We are the Millers. I actually haven't seen that. It's stressful. It was too stressful for me. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> but I mean, I'm I'm a baby when it comes to stressful movies, so I can't do it. <laughs> you, okay, actually, this is this is funny or not funny, but it's interesting. I when I watch certain shows or certain movies, if it has too much like anxiety or if it's too much suspense, I have to shut that shit off for like a couple of days before I can come back to it. Like I was watching, I was watching Squid Games because you know that's what everybody's doing right now. I was watching oh. Squid Games. <laughs> like everybody else binged that. Like and I, I, I probably still kind of binged it, but. I remember I'd watch an episode. I'm like, oh fuck no! Like, do I really want to put my heart through this right again? Like, let me okay. Let me put on Atypical or something. Let me put on Sex Education. Like, let me put something a little bit lighter. But yeah, like I cannot watch 
movies like that or shows like that. I'm telling you, you have ADHD. That is an ADHD symptom. It is not a common one. Yes, absolutely. I have ADHD. I'm starting to believe. I'm about to go. Start to believe it. That's why I have that. Because I, I could go into it and I could talk about it for five years, but that is totally a weird manifestation of a person with ADHD. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm glad it also, yeah. it also signifies that you're probably pretty empathetic as a person, just because like seeing people stress out outside of you causes you stress. Oh my yeah. gosh. So, like, That's okay. So hard. <laughs> I think. I think my partner's watching, whatever. So my partner is really into Real Housewives. The entire, all of the franchises. He's really into uh, New York right now, Salt Lake City. Apparently there's hella tea. Um, and like when I watch it and when I watch like the conflicts and people like shouting at each other, it like stresses me out. <laughs> it's like, oh God, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, just like, sit down and like have some tea and just talk it out like <laughs> I don't like to watch people fight you uh, know and I think that's why I became a, uh, a counselor so that I can help mediate you know conflict right. um, but yeah I'm a I'm an empathetic person and um, and I think you are too and I uh, it's it's hard. like I can't I can't watch anything that's too stressful like I have Gilmore Girls on every hour of every day because that's my show although there are some stressful parts you gotta have some shows Um, like that to balance yeah especially especially in the time that we're in like like you turn on the news and it's like oh the world's blowing up like half of the half half California's on fire like the ozone layer like like if you if you get caught up in that stuff like you will literally never get out of a panic mode you know and um yeah, I need I need just calmness these days. I need chill vibes. By, by chill way, vibes only. Will Smith CC is mad at you for slandering uh, slandering housewives. So uh, that's my partner. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I love the I love the name by the way. <laughs> not it's not so that's uh, it's not um, from West Philadelphia. Born okay. And raised. Okay. All right. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> No, no, Aaron, we're not getting into it. Uh, uh, I know you know uh, the whole thing right. song, beginning it. <laughs> Who doesn't? Much, Who doesn't, exactly. Oh, we're not doing that right now. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Oh, Jordan. So, speaking on um, watching, like, super, like, stressful moments, and you kind of, like, have to shut it off. Is it the same thing when you see people, like, out, like, kind of like embarrassing themselves or are like about something like really stupid and like you kind of feel like that embarrassment for them or yeah like you feel that pain you kind of cringe too yeah it's like uh you can't watch like i do that shit all the time when um my parents are like i we have people over and they're watching something on tv and i see something and i'm just like i feel a very embarrassing moment about to happen and I can't stand to watch it, so I'm gonna just myself and go somewhere else. I, I, like, I definitely know what you're talking about. It, um, and I, I feel like I'm the type of person when I see that, like I, I almost want to embarrass myself to kind of ease that embarrassment a little bit. Or it's like, okay, you feel like shit, but hey, we gonna feel like shit together. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna be some shitty people. It's, it's totally fine. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, like when you. When it's, you know, obviously we're talking about mental health, but sometimes like we're we do things that we think are embarrassing, even though we're, in reality no one's watching us. 
except for me and you apparently um but nobody's watching nobody cares like it's very very hard to know it's easier said than done like nobody's watching no one really cares what you did 20 years ago in middle school or whatever like nobody thinks about that but they think about it all the time so like those cringe moments are probably just that or those embarrassing moments are just i don't know i try to help them understand it's okay to be embarrassing or have those cringe moments i guess because <laughs> i'm i you you've hung out with me enough i'm awkward as, i'm awkward as all hell i'm so awkward i embarrass myself i don't like and every time we talk about like on one of these i always say something stupid and I just laughed. Um, off, but <laughs> that's besides the point. Um, that's besides. Then again, the you're not the you're not the only one. You're not the only one. It's either me, you, or Sean, or Danny, or but it's you know even yes. It's okay though. It's okay to be like. And that's why I, I, I'm glad we started the show because you know I really want to have discussions like this because it gives us opportunity to you know just be open and say what we want to say and you know and learn something. I, I learned a lot today. Um, so I'm like I appreciate you guys coming once again. But before I, I know we're we're pushing an hour right now. But before we go, I want to hear from Michael and Kayla. I want to um, I want to know just some some last thoughts or things that you want to um, say to the people watching, the people that will watch this later on. Um, like what are some things that you want to you want to say? And I'll, I'll, everybody, everybody, not just you two, but you two first because y'all are great. Not that y'all aren't great, but y'all are for sure great too. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a stupid thing that I, I knew I was going to say something stupid. <laughs> there it is. I just leave it in there. Um, yeah, I mean, I would. I, I think. I feel like we could keep talking about this for five years because yeah. it's so much. It's so good. But yeah, I think right. there you go. I would just. I would just encourage everybody to either you know continue these conversations in your own habitats in your own homes with your own people. Um, or you know, consider consider thinking about trying to reach out to a professional about it. Um, and don't be afraid. Um, there are some very shitty therapists out there, and you are allowed to shop around for the one that you like um, because there are some really awesome ones too. And and it's truly therapy is not just about like let's identify the hurt and the pain and what's wrong with you, but it's really about like let's explore those hidden strengths that you didn't know you had, and let's explore. Um, let's explore the journey that you could start being on you know it can be a very very hopeful space in addition to you know pulling out that darkness but you know, there's I have there's this favorite quote that I have and I um, I don't remember all of it but there's a part of it that says there's there's no part of you too dark that doesn't deserve respect and attention and love and I think that that's just so powerful every part of you no matter how heavy and dark it, it deserves to be pulled out and examined and loved and and so it's good get talk keep talking keep thinking too much because you don't want to overdo it as we all do but yeah. I actually have a question in regards to what you just said how do you so how do you know when you have found a good therapist like what is the um signs for that because i mean i can just you know go to a therapist and be like okay i'm talking my feelings and i feel a little bit better like does that mean that i have a good therapist or is there something that i should be feeling or recognizing that lets me know like okay i am safe here i am you know gonna be able to work through the things that i'm going through uh, I mean, it's tough to say because I think every person needs something different. Some people need to be able to pull out their entire trauma narrative and kind of relive it to 
explore it and know it. And then other people are just like, I know what I have and I need skills. So it really just depends. But a good therapist will help you explore that. They'll say, do you want to pull all of these things out and examine them with me? Um, great, let's do it. Or they'll say, it seems like you've done a lot of thinking about this and you kind of know how it's impacting you. Let's go ahead and move forward and give you some skills. So it's really about finding a therapist who will have the skills to, to help you identify goals. And if it's just someone who just like lets you talk the whole time, that's that my personal therapist doesn't do that. Um, she is a very much like, um, you know, what's going on for you this week, let's explore it, but also let's figure out how we can move through it type of thing. So it just, it really just depends. I say, just trust your gut. Um, if you feel like therapy, I will say this, when you start therapy, sometimes you feel shittier than when you started because like before, because you are pulling out things and examining them and you are admitting to yourself, wow, I do have depression. Wow. I do have anxiety. That's shitty. So it's tough because you want to feel better, but you might also not feel better. So I don't know. It's tough to say for every person, but, um, Someone who listens, doesn't step in and try to explain, um, helps you just feel what you need to feel, and then you know supports you with the goals that you have for yourself. So it's tough. So I kind of like speaking on that a little bit. I have had two like primary therapists in my life. One of them was like the one that I saw when I was thirteen, and I saw him until I was uh, about like. 23 on and off like very intermittent and then I saw started seeing another therapist when I was um, 26 until uh, about um, I think last year um, and there were two very very different types of therapists they approached therapy in very different ways and I think I needed the first one based on that point of my life that I was in and I needed the second one based on that point of life that I was in and I wouldn't have benefited from the second one if I didn't see the first one you know, so your your needs may change based on your your age, like where you are in your life, and also like how far you've been into therapy. You know, so like sometimes you you kind of run the course with one therapist, and you kind of like a therapist can only use their own style. You know, because mm -hmm. right. that's all they have. They only have one perspective. You know, and um, you kind of run the course with one therapist, and then you need. And then you kind of, you don't have anything left, you know, like there's nothing left for you to explore because that therapist has used, has used their style on you, you know, so maybe you need someone else, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think you're, um, I think if you feel a connection with your therapist, then that's a good sign. Um, and if you stop feeling that connection, it could be a sign that either maybe they weren't a great match for you, but also maybe they, they were a great match for you and now you need something different, mm -hmm. right? So... Yeah, and I don't know, I guess to, to kind of sum everything up, if I could impart a little bit of wisdom, um, something that I, and again, my, my background is, is um, working with kids, um, and something that I always tell, like, all of my caregivers that I work with is that it's this quote, and I wish I knew where this quote came from. I guess the listeners could Google it and find the source, but... Um, if a flower doesn't bloom, you don't blame the flower, you change the environment. Mm -hmm. So I think the most important thing that I can share is like, sometimes we put the onus on the individual to make themselves better when it was never really the individual's fault, it was the environment, right? So if a kid is kicking and screaming in the middle of a, a classroom 
because they're because they're mad. Like, why is the kid mad? Is it could it be that the the teacher yells at everyone when they're upset, right? That was actually never the kid's fault, right? But maybe the teacher needs some support with how to manage their classroom a little bit better. But we focus on the kid, right? We mm-hmm. focus on the flower and why it's not blooming. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, um, I guess the the message is like, maybe, maybe it's not anything that you maybe it's not anything that you can change. Maybe it's something around you that needs mm-hmm. to change. And yes, and a good therapist will help you explore not only the things that you feel like you're struggling with internally, like intrusive thoughts or poor appetite or whatever, those basic symptoms, but they'll say, who is in your life? Do you feel like you have purpose? Are you afraid of, of starting a new job? Are, you, um, are your friends good for you? Is your partner bad for you? You know, they'll help you explore a lot of those external things because, because like Michael said, it's not just work you have to do on your own. There's, there's definitely shifts that can be made outside of you as well. Yeah. Jeez. How do I close this out? That was wonderful. You know, did all of that. But I think I think the I the most important thing as far as like mental health and like just being an individual of human society is just a like my reminder for anyone who's watching and who will be watching is just to always un- unapologetically be you, but al- also remind yourself that you're just a human being along with the rest of this you know, this society that we live in that are also human beings and that like it's okay to be who you want to be whenever you decide to be who you want to be at those times. Mm-hmm. I can be, you know, I can be a bitch today, but a really nice person tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like always remind mm-hmm. yourself, like, you know, it's okay to be who you want to be, but just to also remind yourself that you are just human. We all have limits, so. And we're yeah. all going through shit. Like exactly. literally everyone you meet is going through something. Yeah. Nobody has it easy in this life. Right. 100%. And it's okay to be dependent. It is okay to be dependent at certain times. Uh, before I sum this up, I actually have another question. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's <laughs> That's good. Good. Um, uh, it's geared towards men. So the men in this, in the the discussion, even the ones watching, because you'll be speaking from experience, how do we go about making men feel more comfortable reaching out and being dependent on other people? Because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm asking for the men in my life, my Mm. brothers, my dad. Um, I notice like they don't, they don't share their emotions. They don't share their feelings. They don't share what they're going through. And I think a lot of that has affected me because I've grown up, uh, have two brothers until my younger sister came along and just my dad so a lot of the times I harbored a lot of my feelings and my emotions I didn't express it unless it was to my to my mom only so how do I go about making them feel more comfortable with speaking out you know I want to be able to be a safe place for them I want to be in the future I want to be able to be a safe place for my future husband for my future sons and be able to let them feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable enough to share that's a good question. That's a really good question. I don't know. Like, oh, sorry. Go um, ahead. I feel like I've been talking a lot. Go ahead. Oh no. Um, I can only probably like speak from personal experience. Um, there's very few um, females that have you know gotten me to be 100% like vulnerable and open, and the way that they've done it, um, at least it worked for me. 
you know, they kind of like kind of sat me down and was like, hey, um, I know you may not be comfortable with opening up or being vulnerable or talking about a certain situation, but I just want to let you know that I'm here. I'm here to understand, not to fix. I'm here to, you know, be the shell, the 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 box to where you put your, you know, your secrets, you know, or whatever's hurting you, you know, so you can get it out. So for for me that worked because they started with understanding the fact that that, you know, I needed just a listening ear. They understood that I'm going through something. And it ju- it just derived from um quote that um that I've heard before. I think it was something my grandfather told me. Um people need to um learn how to listen to understand and not listen to reply. You know, so just listening to understand and to help cope is I think where people need to start, especially with men, because we as men we're we're fixers. You know, we want to fix every like all the problems there are and that's just we were kinda like brought up. You know, if there's a problem, fix it. You know, break it down like Legos, you you gotta f- you know, so just sitting us down and and just breaking it down to us like that like you don't we don't need to fix this right now just get it out i'm i'm a safe place for you i'm a safe person express your feelings and um you know and it's okay to be vulnerable it doesn't mean you're weak in fact it just it it just means you're strong Mm -hmm. it means you're strong at the end of the day so at least that worked for me to pretty much be at my lowest point you know multiple times like I've got like heartbreaks or the loss of family members just stressful times in my life I had to break down and then of course go to my community and eventually you know recover but like I had to learn that I had to feel those feelings I had to whatever I'm going through I can't just put it deep down inside I have I, I had to I had to be vulnerable I had to open up and be honest with myself because I, I, that's the only way you're going to learn. That's the only way you're going to grow. So I feel as if you're, you're, you're going through a situation or if there's a, a something going on, you have to be honest and true to yourself and understand yourself and continue to learn and love yourself and allow yourself to feel. Um, because I, I don't, I don't think it's healthy to hide all of the, all of those things that are, that are going on inside. So that's, that's what's helpful. Yeah. I mean, like I'll say that like, Toxic masculinity is a bitch and a half, and it's something that is real in our society. And um, I think that, again, I never would have understood my own emotions as someone who was, like, socialized as a man if my dad hadn't done that work before me, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think what a lot of men need are are role models um, of men who have confronted toxic masculinity within themselves um because I especially like I'll speak for myself and my culture like um being a brown being socialized as a brown man like sharing your emotions can get you harmed you know and like by other men who have been harmed by other men you know and um it it it's 
it kind of like just to depending on where you are in your life and depending where you are in the world like um sharing your feelings can be a huge risk and can hurt you and and um like i I think that um it's kind of it's kind of too we need we need to make men feel open and and able to share their feelings but also men kind of need to do that to each other you know so like it's a lot of the work of of men to to break down what it is what is it inside me that makes me so scared of of connecting with people you know right. and i think i think actually um Aaron, as you were talking about that it made, it made me think of a couple of families that i work with about like sometimes sometimes i see like caregivers i i see like a, a child saying i'm feeling sad and then a caregiver will immediately say you should do this you know and it's like that isn't I don't think that that's what that kid needed in that moment. I think the kid needed just like, "Hey, you're feeling sad. I hear you. I see, that's stuck that you're feeling sad, right? And like have that connection because I think a lot of the times when we're listening to someone share that they're they're suffering, we want to fix it because we don't like to see them suffering and also it makes us feel like we're suffering, you know? Mm-hmm. So we immediately want to get rid of that hurt. So we try and create a solution. But it's not always a like I think sometimes the solution is is connecting and like empathizing with that person. So like when someone like either a client or just someone in my life just says I had a really shitty day today. Um you know, I I was stressed out for this for this reason. Like I used to respond well, you should you should um do a meditation or you should go for a walk or you should do whatever like because I didn't like to see them having a shitty day, but I think what they probably need to hear in that moment is like I'm so sorry. That sucks. Do you want to talk about it? You know? And I think that with men um like I had a really shitty day. Oh, okay. Like go do something about it. Fix it. Like why are you telling me? You know, like that's the that's the response that men get so often. Yeah. Um and uh, I think that, like, if someone says that, like, um, that sucks, you know, how, what, what do you need right now, you know? I think that that would, that would create a lot of healing in, in men, just in, in people. Mm-hmm. I think one of my, I'm not a man, but I'm going to talk anyways. Um, one of my um, favorite type of clients is male population who are frustrated with the fact that they can't feel or they can't cry and I've had quite a few of adult clients who are males who are just like what is wrong with me and one of my favorite things to do with them is to let them know that the very first thing that we all do very first thing that we all do besides breathe when we come out of our mamas is we cry mm-hmm. we cry and that is the most human thing that is the first thing we did to show the world that we are here and that we are we are ready and you know it's just such a human thing and so and then after that I say let's explore a little bit about when you feel like you lost the ability to do that and often it's very early in childhood like you guys were saying it's 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 based off parenting it's based off of culture it's and so helping someone identify those early moments where they felt that they wanted to cry but they were shut down and and kind of speaking to that inner child that's that's the therapeutic work so if someone was like why can't i feel things why can't i cry that's the therapeutic work it's it's 
you are human, you can cry, but at some point someone told you not to. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to those moments and give that person in that moment what they needed. Let's give them comfort, let's give them space. Um, so it's totally possible. It's totally possible for someone to reconnect, but it is. T it takes. It takes time. You know. It takes those hard conversations and those hard reflections. So. Thank Damn you, Sammy. Like, are... <laughs> Thank you for asking that question. <laughs> you okay, Aaron? It's very. Yeah. As soon as Kayla said, I reached back. You know and look back at that inner child I think I, I relate to that to most because I purposely take myself into like a third person type of type of you know feel like I purposely like visualize okay there's a future me and he's standing right here like what would he look like what would he be saying like how like how's he feeling and like there's other moments where I'd visualize like the, the inner child mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying and like a lot of times it's like when I think about my childhood and I think about um you know just just how we, how I felt like he's like balled up in a corner right now kind of like like in pain like he's just like crying and I'm just like trying to figure out why and it's just like it oh that hit home when you said that mm. oh thank you thank you for that thank you for sharing that real shit yeah. It's a real shit. And now it allows you to change the direction of breaking that, you know, in a sense. Like, now you have more wisdom as to how you can now go about your life and make sure you don't have to imply that same knowledge or education on the next person or the generation you bring upon. So I think that's something very important that we have to also kind of relate to when it comes to mental health and things like that is bringing that awareness up and being like, dang, I suffered like that. Why would I ever want someone else to feel that way? You know, ran through my family till it ran through me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. But um. Trying to sum it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. To sum it up, I. Oh man. I could go on about this topic for hours, but um, I would just say um. Be, learn to be self-aware, you know, learn to understand your emotions and understand your needs and your wants. And also, I strongly believe don't treat people how they treat you. I think we should really treat people with kindness and a good heart. I'm not going to treat someone with disrespect just because they disrespected me. A lot of people are fighting battles that we know nothing about, and it has how they're reacting has more to do with how they feel about themselves on the inside than it does how they feel about me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, learn to be patient with yourself and with others. Be gentle on yourself. It's okay to, it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel. It's okay to want to do nothing some days. You know, some days I had to learn that too, not to feel like, dang, I'm being so lazy today. I haven't done anything. I've been sitting in bed. Like maybe I needed to sit in bed today. You know, maybe my heart needed to rest. Maybe my mind needed to rest. Maybe I needed to rejuvenate and prepare myself for the next day or for the week ahead of me. So I just want everybody to be kind on yourself, be kind on your heart, and be kind to others. Show love. Right. Yeah. Get all that. I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have to stop. <laughs> I feel like I feel like 
when someone says something, then we have more to say about it, and this podcast will never end, <laughs> and it will go into nine o'clock when I have to show up to work, and I haven't. But let me see. Let me say one thing that um, I read on. So, like Instagram, there's like a whole therapist counseling community, and it's really cool. Um, and we share each other's memes about how hard it is to be a therapist. Um, you know, not a therapist, but like mental. Um, but uh, one one thing that someone said was. Um, what if we replace the word lazy with the word immobilized? And um, why? What if we explore why you are immobilized? So yes, you're 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 laying on the couch, watching a Squid Game for for four hours. Are you lazy, or are you? <laughs> Sorry, trigger. Like not me. I gotta turn it off every thirty minutes and go get okay, a snack. Okay, you're laying on the couch watching fucking Friends or something, yes. right? Um, like, are you lazy or are you immobilized for some reason? And if you are, why are you immobilized? Are you, are you escaping something? You know, are you, um, are you trying to numb something? Are you trying to run away from something? Are you like, what's going on? You know, I think that lazy is um, kind of like a, I don't know. La- lazy implies that your default mode should be productivity. And I think that's a result of capitalism. And um, I think that's something that is one of the reasons why mental health, mental health is such a hard conversation to have in the society, because it's so much about what can you give, not how can you heal. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah. Why are you immobilized? When you, next time you think you're, if you're lazy, why are you immobilized? What's, what's stopping you right now? What's making you feel this exhausted? Mm-hmm. Like that. Thank you for sharing that. Like that. Yeah. Um, to give my closing thoughts, um, I just thought of something. Uh, something, something I do uh, a lot of times when I, when I start to feel like kind of anxious or angry or upset or just kind of like, kind of just numb to something. Um, I usually just like look in the mirror or. I just look off and just say um, my feelings are valid and I as a person deserve research you know because saying that I am valid my feelings are valid um, it just kind of puts in your head like you know what I feel this way matters and just saying that I need I deserve research just kind of tells yourself Damn, I need water. Um, just it just kind of tells yourself that you know I need to research why I feel this way, and I deserve that. I deserve the time to look back and just kind of see where you know see what put me in this position, or like why I feel this way, or it's like does it go deeper than what I may think it goes? You know, so you know, say to yourself, you know, my feelings are valid, and I deserve research.
Um, so just be that friend, um, be that person you would want to uh, go to if you were having, you know, having problems. So just tell you, you know, just try to be there for those people. Um, and that is, I'm keeping it short and sweet. But thank you everyone for, for, for coming on. Like, this is such a great uh, discussion. I enjoy this. Um, this is IDFK TV. Um, if you want to see this, we're going to put it on YouTube. We're going to do, uh, have it on Twitter, Twitch, TikTok. Instagram, you, everything. Please follow if you're watching us now. It takes about five seconds to go ahead and follow this channel. Um, and everybody, you can kind of see they have their uh, their Instagram handles. Go ahead and follow those as well. Um, and you know, feel free to talk to us. Reach out to one of us. You know, send us a message and you know, just let us know you know how you felt about it. Um, if you have any questions that maybe something you're going through, feel free to reach out. Um, we I, I love to talk. Um, we all seem to love to talk. So yeah, we'll be about anything about <laughs> everything. Um, so once again, yeah, this is IDFK TV, and we will see you guys soon. We're streaming Monday through Thursday, so you'll see us again on Monday. All right, y'all, have a good one. Yes, have a good night. Good night. Good night. Thanks for having me. Yeah.